Hello and welcome to the Movie Podcast. My name is Anthony. Thank you all for joining us on today's episode. As always, I am joined by my co-hosts, Daniel and Shay. How are you guys doing today on day 355 of quarantine? Oh, it's only 355? I thought we were at least like a thousand days in. Now you said you said years, right? 355 years? Because that, yeah, that, oh, that makes, that makes more That's sense. That's uh, decades. Oh, wow. my God. <laughs> we all look so good for decades we, then. Yeah. We're yes. just frozen in time. We're like, like Walt Disney. Under. You can't kill us. You have to decapitate us. Oh, okay. Okay. That's a, that's a well, great that's way to start the show. That's how, now my mom knows how to kill me. No, thank you for that. <laughs> but how are you guys today? Uh, it's good, man. It's uh, it's nice to be together. You know, uh, it just seems like every day is bleeding into one another. I'm like, oh my God, it's already recording day, but it's also like, yeah, that was a week ago we recorded. So now it's like we're back together again. It's just uh, everything's just everything's just bleh yeah i don't know what day it is i don't know what time it is uh <laughs> i just i just i've i've slowly just started to melt is what i feel like yeah yeah but for those of you who know what day it is and what time it is time it is you can catch a new episode of the movie podcast every monday across all your favorite podcast services as well as on YouTube, and you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter by searching This Time With. And today's topic of the show is censorship. Oh. <laughs> I like, I like, I like the dramatic pause. <laughs> um, can you say that one more time? It's, it's all about what, sorry? Censorship. Uh, I think uh, Dan is going to bleep me at certain points of this uh, censorship podcast. I'm just going to bleep your entire recording. I think it's about time, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And if you want to be part of the show and give us your comments, suggestions, and corrections, always this time with com slash talk is available for you. You can write to us and you can actually maybe talk about what films that you want to see censored and which ones you don't. Sounds good to me. Yeah. So you guys ready to do this? Well, let's give it our best shot, man. Let's head into the news. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even hear Shay. I, I I've given up on it. I'm sorry, but you Shay's guys have up. gotten me to this point of the podcast where I hate it because we're- it's so <laughs> off. It's so off. Like it, it literally sounds like we're all so stupid. <laughs> we're just we're just shells of our former selves at this point. Yeah, like if at the rate that we do it, it sounds like the Titanic is sinking and we're trying to call for help. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> First oh boy. order of news, San Diego Comic-Con has canceled amid the coronavirus pandemic. And this is from Trilby Beresford of the Hollywood Reporter. San, San, San Diego Comic-Con has been canceled as the coronavirus pandemic continues to reshape how the world views large public gatherings. The annual entertainment and comic book convention was scheduled to take place from July 23rd to the 26th in San Diego. California. It will next occur July 22nd, 25th, 2021. This is the first time in the event's 50-year history that it has been canceled. Extraordinary times require extraordinary measures, and while we are saddened to take this action, we know it's the right decision, said Comic-Con spokesperson David Glanzer. We're eager 
eagerly looking forward to the time when we can all meet again and share in the community we all love and enjoy. So what do you guys think of San Diego Comic-Con being canceled this year? Uh I think the uh, again like the writing was on the wall for this one. Every single major event was being postponed or canceled or delayed. So, uh you know, it was it was bound to happen especially with a uh, with a event so crowded as comic-con is i just hope that they have plans to offer like a digital events or yeah you know, we saw last year marvel put on such a huge show and i'm just hoping that people who had plans for their panels i'm hoping that they transition to do some type of digital event and they stream it for the world to see now like i think it's about time for them to do that as well i, yeah, I wonder I go ahead go ahead sure. oh sorry uh, i just said i wonder if um even the studios had anything prepared for Comic-Con this year. I mean, with such a halt so early on in the year, um, I feel like no one's really had the time to create something also for Comic-Con. Yeah, it's, it's, that's so true. Cause I think when studios are looking at their Comic-Con stuff, they're really planning already earlier in the year, if not already last year. So they were probably in the midst of either getting stuff ready to reveal or just maybe everything was on hold. So studios are probably happy that they're getting more time to work on stuff, but it's also just like a, like Comic-Con's a big moment, a big marketing push for so many uh, productions that aren't as big as let's say the MCU or the, or DC comics worlds. So this Comic-Con was a stage for a lot of smaller events as well too. So I'm just hoping that these smaller films or these smaller comic books or anything that would be shown off at comic-con are going to get a, a kind of an avenue to show off their stuff as well yeah i was i was gonna say like there's a huge opportunity for all for comic-con or even the studios to still present their work in front of a large audience um by streaming it by hosting um smaller events maybe in a, in a at home or maybe the director talking to his audience and to people who would normally see him live in a streaming environment. It makes sense to do that. Why, why completely cancel it and say, you know what, it's over for this year and we'll think we'll, we'll restructure for next year. Yeah. And if anything, this is only going to put them in, in front of more eyeballs because typically Comic-Con, like people have to camp out for days to go into Hall H and watch that first footage for Avengers Infinity War or for Endgame. They had to camp out for that. And now they're in a spot where it's like, you know what, let's get the world to watch this all at the same time. And I think that would be a really cool thing for them to for them to take on. So I'm really hoping that they try and adapt to that. Do we know what movies were supposed to be? In Hall H? I know like Wonder Woman was a big one. Was it not? Well, where Wonder Woman won't, because Wonder Woman was supposed to come out before Comic-Con this year. It's supposed to come out in June and Comic-Con's in July. Right, right, um, right. So just looking, probably Marvel's The Eternals was going to be a big one. We we're probably going to see the first footage of the Suicide Squad there and the Batman there as well too by Matt mm-hmm. Reeves. Yeah. So like there's a lot of that stuff. Well, And there's just so many things that are at Comic-Con that aren't even comic book related. Like Kong versus Godzilla probably would have been there. Yeah, um, right. Any, any of these giant movies typically will have a presence at Comic-Con. And now their whole marketing kind of campaigns are going to get a little altered right now. We probably would have seen some first footage from Jurassic World Dominion as well. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. easily, easily. 
Okay, let's move on. Um, HBO Max orders the Shining spinoff, Overlook, J.J. Abrams' Duster, and Justin's League Dark series from Bad Robot. And this is from Nelly Andreva of Deadline. So HBO Max has greenlit three drama series from J.J. Abrams and Katie McGrath's Bad Robot Productions. Overlook, inspired by Stephen King's The Shining, Duster, conceived by Abrams, and a DC Justice League dark show. These are Bad Robot's first projects for HBO Max under the mega film and TV deal Abrams signed with Warner Brother Warner Media last fall. HBO Max is ordering a whole state of series from Abrams. Horror thriller Overlook, inspired by the iconic uh, characters from King's Shining, explores the untold terrifying stories of the most famous haunted hotel in American fiction. Justice League Dark is a branch of the Justice League dedicated to dealing with mythical and supernatural threats. This is really cool. I didn't think um, J.J. Abrams would hit the um, the DC world right away, but it's a, it's amazing that he's, his studio will be producing shows around DC characters, which is kind of like something that I would like to see. Uh, but with Star Wars... You know, I hope, with Star Wars being his last film, you hope that everything is kind of on the up and up. Yeah, you know, uh, this was a big deal last year and we were kind of, when all the different studios were kind of trying to lure J.J. over to them. We know Apple was a big contender, Warner Brothers, obviously, and Disney was probably up there as well, too. Um, it's nice to see that, um, it's nice to see that, uh, He's starting to actually get a hold on the uh, IP from Warner Brothers. And like for a long time, we've been kind of speculating, hey, is he going to take on uh, Superman? Is he going to take on like some of the bigger characters? And I think Justice League Dark is a cool introduction. You know, Justice League Dark uh, for a long time was Guillermo del Toro who was going to work on them. Oh, yeah. Uh, work on that series. And it's cool to see that uh, it's starting to get the light of day. And I just hope it's a well-produced series. The animated movie that came out, was it two years ago now, I think? Yeah. yeah. And there's really, another one coming out in a couple weeks, I think. Yeah, it was really, really good. And um, lately, I think, I, I don't know if this is really true, but when um, Constantine hit Netflix recently, I noticed a lot more people talking about that film. Um, so I think the, uh, the interaction value is there. Um, I'm just curious to see how they're going to tackle this. Yeah, because like you know, like you kind of look at the CW and it's like, is this going to be a higher production CW show? I hope Which so. I hope it is, because there's some shows that look a little rough, and you don't want this to. You want this to be HBO Max. You want this to be HBO quality. You don't want this to be CW quality. So I'm hoping that it has a good quality behind it, because there's a really cool depth of characters there, and I'm I'm hoping that they make this show with the thoughts of, hey, you know what? We want to make this at a certain level of quality, so if we do decide to cross over with the movie side of the world, we could do it and it won't feel awkward. Yeah, yeah. you have uh, members like Deadman, John Constantine, uh, Madam uh, Zandu, Shade, and The Changing Man, um, as well as Zantana, which are, they're all like the more, kind of like the Doctor Strange um, characters of the DC world. So they they come from like the mythical arts and um, 
I love Constantine as a character because he's the only one who has, like, he, he doesn't have superpowers, he doesn't have money, he doesn't have any of these um, kind of, like, levels of, of uh, technology around him or, or some sort of, but he has, like, the, the mythical arts um, spells and he can, he deals with the devil a lot and, and, right. and it's just a really, really cool character. And I hope, you know, I love Keanu Reeves and I hope he comes back to do Constantine. <laughs> no <one> day, but... <laughs> way. No way he's coming back. But like that robot, um, what was their last, their last um, production? Well, they obviously, as you mentioned, they did Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. Um, they worked on Overlord, which is the movie uh, movie as well, too, for a couple of years ago. Uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah, I'm trying to think of Castle Rock. Westworld, obviously, they they're a production on. So there's they have a they're synonymous with some big quality shows. I'm just hoping that I'm hoping this is a Westworld style show rather than a CW soap opera, bad VFX type of show. We also have like JJ Abrams' own original content, which is Duster, which we don't really know much about, but that's that's interesting because he hasn't really come out with his own thing for a very long time. Yeah, for a long like, time, yeah. You know, li- licensed, licensed um, content. And then we have the Shining spinoff, which is Overlook. Have you right. guys seen um, uh, Dr. Sleep yet? Not yet. I want no, to. Not yet. That's, that's something I... Apparently, it's a really good movie. Um, yeah. It just was kind of like hidden in the rest of the movies that came out that this year. Or And especially because, remember, we spoke about... Like, they just released it at such a bad time. Like, that movie, they did a special screening of it, I think, on the Wednesday before Halloween. And then they decided to release it in November. And it's like, that's a scary movie. People want to watch that before Halloween. They don't want to watch things in November because that's Christmas season already. Right? right? So, it's just like, it's just a really weird decision that they decided to do there. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on yeah. to uh, Trolls World Tour. So Universal reports record digital weekend for Trolls World Tour, 10 times higher than Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom on opening day. And we're talking about digital release. We're not talking about like um, in the theater. So this is from Anthony D'Alessandro of Deadline. So Universal is still collecting data for its digital rental release of DreamWorks Animation's Trolls World Tour this past weekend, but is believed to be a record weekend and opening day digital rental. Here are the benchmarks indicating so, even though retailers will provide full dollar amounts in a weekly flash report down the road. Trolls World Tour did 10 times that of Universal's previous opening day digital champ, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which according to home entertainment sources did around 2 to 3 million stateside on one day, or on day one. Um, Avengers Endgame, per sources, had a first digital domestic rental week of 30 million in flash reports. And the uh, extrapolation of the first day numbers is that Trolls World Tour will far exceed the figure amassed by the Russo Brothers directed sequel. That's crazy. Yeah, it's it's it looks like it's doing really well. You yeah, know, I guess like people are like they would watch anything at this point. Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping more studios take note of this and be like, hey, let's let's uh, let's get this done. Let's let's release some of our stuff because there's a lot of money I think to be made here. I mean, they're putting up numbers that are competing with Endgame, obviously on the um, 
on the home release side, but not theater side. But at least on the home release side, that's a lot of money still. It's a yeah. it, it's a tough thing to like kind of look at and be like, oh, okay, yeah, th- these numbers make sense because we're in a whole new ball game right now. Like you almost have to reset the stats to really understand what they're kind of projecting here because the world's in a different place. So yeah, for sure, it made a lot of money, but I mean, again, it's a whole different ball game right now. One thing yeah. the trolls that I, that I noticed trolls do was they really pushed marketing in these past three weeks. Once they knew that you know theaters were closed and people couldn't go out and watch it, they really pushed that streaming platform. Like I, I, I know a lot of people have been asking like, how can I watch trolls? Especially like my niece and my mom is like, how, I keep hearing about trolls. How do I watch it? Do I rent it? Do I buy it? So it's a, they've been doing a really good job marketing it for the past three weeks to get this viewership. I see it on social media, a lot of Instagram posts, um, a lot of TV posts, a lot of like Rogers. I get emails about it. I'm like, man, Trolls is huge. Trolls is a big one, man. It's, uh, I mean, the dolls are definitely from our parents' time and age, but um, I think they had a rebranding when the movie started to come out and, uh, Thank God they moved from the you know that was Smurfs. I'm thinking of the Smurfs as well, but um, they, they <laughs> definitely had like a yeah they had like a rebranding with you know how they look to compare to the dolls. So I think kids have an easier time adjusting to them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, like I've seen a lot of people who've been watching this movie again because there's not a lot of other things to watch. I haven't watched it yet. I know you guys haven't watched it yet, but I'm hoping. Uh, I'm hoping there's just more for us to watch. And obviously we'll see in uh, new dates uh, or new trailers that hopefully there'll be some more stuff for us to watch at home soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's move on to green Hornet and Cato movie project lands at universal pictures. And this is uh, from Dave McNary of variety. So uh, universal pictures and Amasia uh, entertainment are partnering on the green Hornet and Cato and are in development on a film based on the classic characters. The Green Hornet originated as a radio show during the 1930s. Seth Rogen starred in the Sony's and Sony's The Green Hornet, generating 227 million worldwide at the box office on a 120 million budget. So here's a movie that you know my parents probably know of these characters, but I don't think this generation understands or knows about the Green Hornet. Um, I know a little bit about it because of Bruce Lee and then kind of Seth Rogen's. Um, Attempts at that movie. (laughs) At at that movie. But what do you guys think of the Green Hornet and Cato movie being rebranded and restructured again to come out in theaters? Honestly, man, like, again, I don't have really any attachment to them other than, like, you know, my dad used to watch a show growing up, obviously. But I think this would work so much better as a show and put that on the Peacock service rather than making another movie because I don't think people really care about the green hornet like it's not really a character that obviously look what they did yeah it was seth rogan in it but like that one didn't light up the box office and nobody really ever looks to it as a good movie um i just think that they should release this as a as a show i think it would be so much better as a weekly show or a show you release all at once because then you could have a lot more time to develop these characters it was also interesting that they cast Seth Rogen. And I think he always kind of makes that a joke as well. Like I was the green Hornet. And it's funny. I remember I watched that movie once I, I bought it on Blu-ray because it was $2. 
And I was like, yeah, okay. I mean, like, yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah, I buy it. It's it's cheaper than renting it. So I bought it. I watched it once, and I don't think I've ever gone back to it. Not that I hated it or anything, but it literally made no impact on me. Yeah, and when you look at the director of it, like, this is the director who did Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and now he's doing a Green Hornet movie. It's like, <laughs> what? What's going on there? He's directed, like, 130 films. Like, this guy does not say no to anything. No, yeah, so he'll take it's, whatever. Uh, you know what's what's really crazy is um, Green Hornet is like still a, it's a comic book right now, and it's on it's well it, it's on Dynamite. It's not like a huge comic book um, publisher, but they did a really good job telling stories with Green Hornet as a character. They kind of gave him like a moonlight type Moon Knight type of look because Green Hornet is this rich um, character. He has you know these powers and he has this guy who has kung fu his sidekick who's, who's kung fu master so they could do a lot with it i think it's just getting the right people to play these roles and not go that comedy route because when you right. when you bring in seth rogan you're bringing in some sort of comedy yeah and- like i think i think it'd be so much nicer as like a 10 episode series i mean and this movie too is one of those early movies that were trying to compete with avatar in the sense of like watch the green hornet in 3d and i'm like this movie does not need to be in 3d at all well 3d is kind of expired by now right like exactly and i doubt with everything going on in the world as well too in terms of uh cleansiness like even even like every time we've gone to the movies and had a 3D movie, I'm always looking at the glasses like, I wonder how well these are cleaned. Yeah, like, and like I, I and I think going forward, that's not going to be the case. Do they anymore. go through a We're dishwasher type of thing? Like, does 3D they, glasses supposed have like, to, a, yeah. like a sanitization system? <laughs> yeah, they have so. one. They have one guy with the with the microfiber cloth just slightly cleaning them. <laughs> yeah, he's using his like spit to clean it. Oh God! Oh God! Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not really looking forward to this. But again, prove us wrong. Make it a good movie. Maybe give it a more grounded take. I'd be down for that. But right now, go for a there hasn't. Take. You know, there hasn't been anything that's really made me want to be like, yeah, let's let's watch the Green Hornet. You know, even the name. It's just like it brings you to a generation that long. It's past. like a, a bygone generation. You yeah. know. Um, let's talk about new dates. So, Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, an eight-episode documentary series, starts streaming on May the 4th. So, this is a documentary on how The Mandalorian was made, which is pretty cool. It's eight episodes. We don't know how long each episode is, but this is a really cool way of seeing what Favreau's vision was for The Mandalorian. I know, Dad, you were talking about what it looked like and how they had some crazy cool special effects invented for this Show? Yeah, this the show. Like, um, again, I, I I enjoy the show a lot. Uh, there was a lot of moments where I'm like, yeah, you know, this isn't really engaging me. But overall, I enjoy the show. Um, but just seeing what they did behind the scenes with the show in terms of shooting on like projection mapped backgrounds and not using green screens and things like that. Like, there's so much cool tech that they invented and are using in this show. Um, so I'm really excited to see how they kind of really went in depth like go in depth with that and i think when we're in a time where all these shows are coming right to a streaming service we're losing that bonus features worlds that we're so used to with home releases so i'm glad disney plus is going to be doing a show that's all about the behind the scenes so we're still getting that content because i think there's so much 
cool information you can learn about that. And like we're seeing Netflix do this too with like whole documentaries based on on movies and their originals and just um, just last week as well too I, I as I was saying I've been watching a lot of the Disney nature documentaries and there is literally a documentary about how they made the documentary so I really like that they're committing to making content about their content because it gives it shows that they're really supporting it yeah Disney is also coming out with pop culture discovered the Disney uh, prop art- culture actually oh, sorry prop <laughs> culture discovered the Disney artifacts of movie making in pop culture an original series. All episodes streaming May 1st. So I saw this trailer um, and actually was really intrigued because this guy is a prop buyer. So he goes around and he buys movie props from different movies. And it's not just Disney movies. It's all different types of movies. So Indiana Jones' jacket to um, statues of Roger Rabbit. Have you guys seen the trailer for this? Yeah, it looks really cool. Again, I'm I'm loving that they're making unique content and... I think ever since we watched um, the um, oh my god, why am I blanking on the name of it right now? The Imagineering story. Sorry, I've been craving that in-depth Disney look at stuff, and I think this, especially with the shows that they announce, the movies they announce that are going to be part of this, I'm excited for it. It looks really cool. Cool. Yeah, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm really, uh, I, I really like Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's one of my favorite movies growing up. So seeing that name up on there really got me excited um so i yeah i i mean props and are are wicked and danny and i luckily and i'm i think anthony i don't know if you have but we have had the chance to go to these sets and see how they create them and we've been to the prop departments at warner brothers and paramount so seeing disney side of it is going to be really cool and it's good to showcase like the guys who make these things you know and what their ideas were and and what it took to make, you know, the prop for who knows, whatever movie that they're going to be talking about. So it's, um, I love those stories. I love stories that kind of dive into things that I don't know about. So I, I'm, in, I'm going to enjoy those those episodes. Uh, let's move on to trailers. I'm going to start it off, guys, and you're going to lead me into it, okay? Okay. Trailers. 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 That was really good. I think that we should. Good. I think we should do that for the news. <laughs> news, news, news. No, like I go do, and then you go do do. <laughs> oh, that'd be way too hard. Way too much. It'll take six hours to get it done. Then. <laughs> so some of the new trailers that came out this week, we talked about prop culture from Disney Plus. We got a trailer for Capone, which will be available to rent digitally on May twelfth. Directed by Josh Trank. Yeah. yeah. And starring Tom Hardy. Yeah. Written by Josh Trank as well. Pardon me? Written by him as well. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, we he he pretty much got uh, you know, booted from Hollywood for Fantastic Four or Fant Four Stick, however you want to call it. Yep. And uh, you know, it was very controversial, but then he's kind of had a bit of a resurgence back into the light. He's been a bit more honest on Twitter. It almost seems like he went through rehab or something to become a better yeah. person. So uh, I'm interested to see what he does because a lot of the shots in this trailer were visually appealing. Yeah. And what's really cool about Capone as well is that like Tom Hardy obviously has thrown himself into this role. And I've been seeing a lot of other directors talking about this movie saying, you guys don't realize how good and how wild this movie is going to be. And I can't wait for more people to see it. 
and that made me so excited seeing that. And uh, Josh Trank even tweeted as well, saying, this is my movie, my vision through and through. So this is going to kind of give us uh, a way of kind of seeing his vision on movies because that was a big thing, as Shay mentioned with Fan Stick, was that he started making it, then it became the studio's vision, and then there was a whole bunch of other controversy with it. But I'm really excited to see it. And luckily, we don't have to wait too long. Yeah. yeah. I really was, it, was this? Say that again, Shay. I really enjoyed Chronicle that he did, like his first yeah. film. Yeah, it was a good movie. Same. Great movie. Was this movie supposed to come out in theaters? Uh, there's so what I've been reading is, yeah, this was supposed to come out in theaters. It's they're still planning on a summer release if theaters are open, of course. Right. Uh, but right now they just want people to see it. That's what's most important, and that's what uh I respect that a lot. And the reason I'm asking is just because the trailer came out so late like if it may 12th was its release date and we got it what april 10th or 11th whenever the trailer dropped but yeah it's, it's, a, it's only a month difference right so right was it ever going to go to theaters or was it supposed to be a digital rental or i almost think that maybe they were because obviously this all started back in february and if they had released this trailer back in like february it would have made sense right so i think a lot of it was just kind of watching the weather really just kind of seeing how the weather is storming and then from right. there they would kind of release it so also it's not a huge you know blockbuster so they can kind of um you know risk it a bit i guess is the best way to put it yeah yeah and again it looks it looks really cool like it just looks like a movie that i'm really interested to and you know you have linda card uh cardellini isn't it uh matt dylan's in it as well too so you have an interesting cast and obviously led by Tom Hardy, who looks like he's just gruesomely scary in it as well, too. Like, he looks mm-hmm. terrifying in it. I remember the set photos that were coming out a long, long time ago, and he just looked rough. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's just Tom on a good day. <laughs> that's him on it a good day. It might have just been yeah, him, uh, at, him at his house. <laughs> uh, did you guys see the Saved by the Bell trailer? I did, no. yes. I did it's, not. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's interesting. So it's interesting. The, I, I know Daniel, you have a you have a very um, you know endearing relationship with Saved by the Bell. I I didn't watch, and same with you, Anthony. I, I didn't watch much Saved by the Bell. Like if it was on TV, I'd probably pop in for an episode or two. Um, but it wasn't anything too much for me. But what I remember and what I saw in this trailer were two different things. It reminded me a lot of how one because I used to watch Boy Meets World, and when I saw the Girl Meets World trailer, I was like, this is not for me. This is how I felt about the Saved by the Bell trailer. I was like, I don't think this makes sense. It's uh, it's different, you know, because, again, this show's centered around A.C. Slater and Jesse Spano, I guess, them being teachers at Bayside now. But it looks shot a lot. It's like, obviously, it's not a sitcom, and I'm kind of glad it's not a sitcom. But it also, like, the jokes just weren't landing for me as no. well. So the jokes just felt very just, like, forced. And, again... Let's see it when it comes out. Maybe it will be good, but it didn't really get me excited to see more Saved by the Bell. Like I still, I still watch the original Saved by the Bell, like an episode or two, maybe while I'm eating lunch or dinner or something. But it's just, uh, it was interesting seeing grown up characters because it doesn't typically work. And from what I've seen from that trailer, I'm not sold on it. I'll tune in to see it, but I'm not anticipating it right now. Would have it been better if they? did a, like a, a show, not called Saved by the Bell, called something else, but with these characters now living in their, you know, maybe families or something like that, like disconnect the, the, the school part and actually have these characters still 
be their quirky selves, still be interesting to understand and like love about them. And do you think it's that say by the bell title that kind of ruins the idea of the show? I don't know. Cause like we, obviously we had saved by the bell, the new class, which was a, a spinoff series. And we had saved by the bell, the college years. And I think the big thing with saved by the bell and like looking at this show, it's like, yeah, AC, AC Slater and Jesse are here, but like saved by the bell. I want to see Zach Morris. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you want, you want, like you want to see Zach and Kelly. You want to see like the big characters. And right now it's like, yeah, Slater and Jesse are fine, but you want those characters that you're so familiar with. And I just, I don't, really care about again this is all from a trailer but like seeing the the new kids i'm like i don't care about who they're trying to get to be the new zach i want to see right. zach i don't want to see someone pretending to be zach now is zach supposed to be on the show like eventually yeah, he's he's supposed to be the governor of california in the show Was he the but president or the we governor? don't sorry he's the president or the governor no the governor of california um but who knows maybe he'll be president maybe that's the season finale um, i uh i think acting in the 90s and it just does not translate well to acting today so the like for example if they redid fresh prince like it doesn't the acting doesn't stick anymore because it's so over the top like when sitcom i was watching acting, you know yeah, the sitcom acting like when i was seeing mario lopez act in the in the show on the trailer i felt so turned off because i'm like it really feels like he's trying his best to be over the top and you don't need to be. It doesn't. It doesn't bode well anymore, right? Yeah. Um, another. I don't. Even, I don't think this is a '90s show, but probably the '80s. Perry Mason. Yeah. This, so this is an HBO show. This is coming from Robert Downey Jr. His production company, and it's coming to HBO. Um, uh, it's about Perry Mason, the detective. Uh, Perry Mason has kind of had like a long history on TV. Like he had a, it was like a radio series and then it was like a TV series in the fifties and sixties. Um, so now they're kind of redoing it as like a proper HBO drama and it's starring, uh, Matthew, uh, Riz, Rice, the guy who was in, um, uh, beautiful day in the neighborhood. I forgot. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. R H Y S. Yeah, but yeah, it looks, it looks, it looks interesting. Ooh. I mean, we'll we'll see. It's like something comes my, down in June. My grandma would watch, you know, because <laughs> that's how that that's how when I hear about that name, I think about it because there's been so many versions of Perry Mason. Yes, there's the 30, the 50s, and I know it came out in the 80s and 90s, and I don't know. You're better off just creating a new character and being original, yeah. right? Well, um, we'll out this good. week. So, The Last Dance, which I'm looking forward to. I yep. know you guys are looking forward to. This is a documentary on the 1996-97 Chicago yeah. Bulls. Yeah. Yeah. 95 and 96. I think it said like the 97-98 Bulls, but also looking at Michael Jordan's career – Throughout the 90s as well. Yeah, so it's an ESPN type of 30 for 30. If you've never watched a 30 for 30, they're probably one of the best sports documentary featurettes out there. Um, they've done a lot of shows on like Wayne Gretzky and when he got traded to um, from the Edmonton Oilers to Los Angeles Kings to OJ Simpson. So they're, they're really, really, really good. And I know this is – how many episodes is this, is this guy? 10 episodes. I, 
10 episodes oh. and what's really nice about it too is that it's coming to netflix pretty much right away for us in canada mm-hmm. so the day after it airs so we're recording this obviously on the sunday uh it'll be on netflix the monday so the day this ep- you did- when you're listening to this episode you could watch uh the last dance on netflix so that's pretty cool so the first two episodes will be there available for you to watch it's yeah. funny because Michael Michael Jordan was saying that he thinks that people are going to think that he's a bad guy after watching this. I mean, I, I love Michael Jordan since growing up, but I've always known that he's kind of a, an asshole. Like he's yeah. he's he's known like, I mean, uh, Shaq talks about all the time, uh, you know, they all talk about how he's so cheap when it comes to tipping. You know, Charles Barkley talks yeah. about it all the time, too. So, you know, that he's a bit of an asshole. But not let alone like the gambling. He's a huge. Yeah, oh yeah, fan. the gambling too. Yeah, you're right. And there's like there's the rumors that his father was killed because he didn't pay his debts. Yes, there you are know? those rumors. That's why he only had a small role in Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Michael. <laughs> um, what else yeah. is out this week? We have defending Jacob. So yeah. This so this is. is- Ahead, Apple Daniel. TV Plus series. Yeah, this is an yeah. Apple TV Plus series coming out on Friday. I believe it's only the first episode coming out, or maybe the first three episodes. Uh, so it'll be a weekly series on Apple TV Plus. Uh, you got a lot of big talent in the show as well, too. Obviously, it's led by Chris Evans. Um, so I'm really looking forward to this, just because I really loved Home Before Dark, and this looks to be like another murder mystery investigation series. So it uh, looks cool. I'm ready for it. Cool. What are we watching this week, guys? We'll start off with you, Shay. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, well, I uh, I watched Forrest Gump. Uh, we had a family movie night, so I loved it. I, it's one of my favorite films of all time. Um, the ending will always get to me. Uh, just destroy me, man! Just, just destroy. destroy. Like, and I and I know when it's coming, and I'm still standing there, like, yeah, I'm about to cry yep. now. Um, uh, makes me want Bubba Gump shrimp though. Like makes like I miss makes me going to New York City and San Francisco. <laughs> and we go anytime <laughs> Daniel, you and I have traveled anywhere, we always hit up a Bubba Gumps pretty much to get like a, a mug or a glass or you know, just something yeah. like a little, small souvenir. But it's always got good food too. We've had some good experiences there. Uh I, I watched Desperado. Um like Dan and I were talking about it before. We're trying our best now to watch things that either we haven't seen or haven't seen in a hundred years um, during this quarantine because we keep ending up watching things that we've seen. Um, so Desperado, I haven't properly seen it. Obviously I was, as a kid, it would be on TV and I would try to sneak and watch it, but clearly was not allowed to and probably don't, didn't understand it. So decided to put that on and I absolutely loved it. I loved every minute of this movie. It was so entertaining. Um, it like Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino have, they, they really share a lot of the same DNA and it's so apparent when you're watching this movie. Um, uh, Salma Hayek is just so hot in this. And, and I mean, she's <laughs> hot in general, but my God, she just kept me glued to the yeah, She was super hot in this movie. Yeah. But just in general, she's just hot. Uh, have you seen <laughs> the first one? El no, I haven't. So I, I gotta, I gotta watch that one. I've seen um, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't seen El Mariachi, so that's that's what I got to do. So yeah, a little bit desperate. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this is a sequel. Like like I remembered like right in the first ten minutes. I'm like, something's a little weird. Uh, Memento, because I haven't seen that since. Oh my god, I don't even remember when the last time I saw Memento was. So watching it again, it almost felt like I was watching it with fresh eyes, and uh, I really really liked it. Uh, we watched Sicario, obviously, and our our commentary is up for that now, and. Um, 
that was a wicked film to watch with you guys because I don't think we watched it together yet. So that was really fun. Uh, I went back for some reason and I watched a bunch of roasts that were on Comedy Central because I was just in the mood of laughing and I was dying at the James Franco one. I was dying at the Alec Baldwin one. I loved the, the Justin Bieber one as well. Uh, the Bruce Willis one was not good in my opinion. Um, I love Justin Gordon, JGL. He's great, but it, he's not a great roaster or a host. So that was a bit weird. Uh, watched Dunkirk, so I guess a lot of um, Nolan movies in a way. I did the first episode of Tiger King, and it it, it wasn't for me. Um, I think maybe I'll, I'll give episode two a shot today, but there's just something about the characters that they were not interesting to me at all in the sense that I didn't care about what was happening to them. So I didn't feel any connection. Not saying that I should feel connected to these guys, but right, um, right. they just, they didn't, I wasn't, I didn't hate them or I didn't love them. And since I was so meh about them, you didn't, I was like, you didn't find them interesting, what? like, like almost to the point no. where this was unbelievable believable that there were people like this. No, because anytime I've gone to Florida, this is what I see. So <laughs> you it felt see- like, were, what? I th- I think the biggest I think the biggest what's appeal of Tiger King is Joe his Exotic. Name? Joe Exotic. You see Joe Exotic. Yeah, dude. I've when I go to when I've gone to Florida with my family as a kid, we used to go to this uh, uh, theme park called Gatorland, uh, and it literally had people just like this. They had like forty earrings. They had uh, mullets. They looked like they looked like Florida, and honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to anyone in Florida. That's just how you, you know, you, you are. That's fine. But <laughs> I I don't know. Nothing about this character was like, okay, I, I really care. So I'll give episode two a shot. And if uh, if it sticks, then awesome. Uh, if it doesn't, then uh, that's fine. I'm not going to be too upset about it. And uh, yeah. like Daniel, you watched Employee of the Month as like your guilty pleasure. Uh, I hadn't yeah. seen Van, Van Wilder since I was 15 years old. And there was just something about it. I was like, oh, let me give this a shot. It's such a bad movie, but I think it was the nostalgia that kind of kept me going to watch it. I was like, oh, my God, I remember being a kid and laughing at this really hard. But other than that. No, go ahead. There's something about those, like, 2000s comedies that they were so – like, like, even, like, like I – like I loved Harold and Kumar growing up. They're not good movies, but they're yeah. still funny movies. And yeah, yeah. like, they're such movies. They're such movies of their time. Exactly. So going in to watch them, like it's not, it's not that you're looking for a good movie to watch. You're just looking for something that kind of reminds you of that time. And also is nostalgia. Um, nostalgia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel, what have you oh. been watching for me? Oh man! So like, I watch a bunch of this different stuff this week. Um, last week, I don't know why, out of nowhere, I put on Camp Nowhere. I don't know. I didn't mean to make that pun or anything. I just I put on <laughs> Camp Nowhere, uh, which is like a classic kind of '90s Disney movie. Um, I was watching Home Before Dark, so I uh, spoke about this a bit earlier in the show. But Home Before Dark is a ten episode series on Apple TV Plus, and it basically centers around this girl. She's in grade four. She's taking after her dad, and she wants to be a reporter. So once they kind of leave New York City, they move to a small town, and they kind of realize that not everything is as it seems. There was like a, a child abducting that happened when her dad was a 
when her dad was a kid and like his, he never told the family about that. So she starts to investigate that. And it's really cool. It's actually a really well done show. And the, the actress who's in it, she was in the Florida projects. Um, she was a girl from that. And she's just so good in it. She's such a likable, like it's, it's hard to find likable, like kid actors. And she just steals the show every scene she's in. So she, it's a really great show. I really recommend it. Um, Obviously, continuing my weekly watch of Dark Side of the Ring, this week they spoke about Jimmy Snuka, which I really I didn't really know anything about it, but my dad knew who he was, and uh, that was a kind of a crazy episode. What did you think of the episode, Anthony? Uh, it was pretty intense, because it was literally a murder that he got away with. Yeah, and and you see, you really start to see how shady the WWE is as a company. Yeah, like, the, and to tell you the truth, like, no one knew about this. Until, yeah, it's crazy. Until it was brought up a couple of years ago that this wrestler killed his wife. Yeah, and it's 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 crazy to see. Like, um, I really love how the show is almost like a yeah, like a forensic files or like a a murder documentary. Like, they really don't hold back. So I really I'm really enjoying that aspect of the show. Um, as mentioned, I've been watching a lot of nature documentaries, so I'm like, hey, you know what? Let's try a National Geographic one, um, which is called Hostile Planet, hosted by Bear Grylls. And um, I'll be honest, I've been so used to watching a lot of like the more playful nature documentaries where it's like, meet Steven. He's a penguin, and he's on his journey to meet his mates. And Hostile <laughs> Planet literally starts with a snow leopard jumping off a cliff and breaking its ribs eat trying to catch another animal and it's so intense like it's so gnarly to watch uh it's just been like kind of a huge culture shock watching it but it's a really cool show it's on national geographic which is also on disney plus um as shay already said watch sicario uh so if you haven't heard or seen uh we have a sicario commentary up which you could watch and listen to now um sicario is available on netflix canada we also have a game night commentary, which you could listen to as well through the podcast feed. So definitely check that out. Uh, I don't know why my dad was in a mood to watch the last samurai. So we put on the last samurai to watch, uh, which was kind of fun going back to that after I haven't watched that in such a long time. Uh, same with children of men. It was another one. My parents have never seen it. Uh, I've saw it years and years ago. So it was kind of nice to revisit that and, watch it again just like shay said with memento with fresh eyes um put on kick-ass kick-ass actually celebrated its 10-year anniversary this um this week so i know uh aaron taylor johnson and chloe grace moretz were doing like a watch along for it so i uh i decided to watch it as well too just because it's been a long time since i've seen it uh there's a documentary that ron howard directed on luciano Pavarotti, so i watched that which is a really well done uh look at his life and of course the one world together at home um concert benefit show was on last night so i watched that it was hosted by kimmel uh colbert and fallon so it was actually a really nice uh concert and seeing all the different musicians and kind of looking at what's going on in the world right now so it was a really well done show and that's available to watch on demand for free right now too very cool and what Uh, about you anthony I've been watching um, Westworld, so I'm still continuing season three. The last episode was really, really good. Um, Dark Side of the Ring, Jimmy Snuka, the trial of Jimmy Snuka and his um, I Didn't Kill My Wife. 
maybe I did. I don't know. Type of story. I think the those two oh, guys do a great. Right now. Say that again, Shay. Say you were confessing to us right now because you're like, yeah, I don't know if I killed my wife. And I'm like, whoa, Anthony, this is the podcast. <laughs> Can't um, say this yet. The guys who create the show, they're from Canada. Their production, their budgets on this are not crazy money, but they make the most out of it. They get, they, there's these sequences in this, in this show that they kind of recreate some of the iconic. Um, I love that. I love scenes. how they do it. Yeah, they and do it like in B-roll, but out of focus as well. Yeah, it's like in the so, shadows, so good, the yeah. fog, but it's like you know it's the character because of their hand gestures. Um, if you guys want to learn more about wrestling and maybe the dark side of the ring, please watch it. It's on Crave. Uh, Black Monday, Showtime show uh, about, you know, stock market and stars Don Cheadle. Uh, really, really good. Um, and then last week after the podcast, I turned on my TV, I went to Amazon Prime, and I saw this new show called... Tales from the Loop, which was interesting because I remember watching the trailer for it a long time ago, and I know um, it was kind of like connected to Matt Reeves because he was executive produced, and it was an interesting trailer because you didn't really know what was happening. You saw some robots, you saw some people, um, but then I saw it on TV, and I'm like, okay, I'll give this a try, and what a great show. So um, the show, the premise is, inspired by um, a Swedish painter named Simon Stallenhag. So Tales from the Loop explores the mind-bending adventures of the people who live above the loop, a machine built to unlock and explore the mysteries of the universe, making things previously relegated to science fiction possible. Uh, Stars um, Rebecca Hall has quite an interesting story because everyone in this town has their own kind of like episodes about eight episodes long and they're it's not kid friendly so this is not just it's not like a a children's show or like a a typical science fiction show it has some really mature themes to it and man it was really really good that's great yeah I, i really want to watch it and each episode is kind of like a bottle story but they're also interconnected and it's hard to explain because You'll, you'll watch the first episode and say, what the hell is happening? And then you'll watch the second episode, and the third and fourth, and you'll just be pulled in. So it's a really, really good show if you have Amazon Prime. Um, I also watched fi- Fighting With My Family, so I know you guys told me. Finally! So I did watch it. I really liked it. I loved it. Um, such a great movie. Such a endearing movie. It's, it's like family-based and... You know, it's funny. It stars Flores Pugh, and she plays, you know, Paige from the WWE, who had this um, upbringing in England as, as a wrestler who moved on to the WWE. And, you know, her, her brother, who was also a wrestler who never got that chance. Um, such, a, such a great show. And The Rock appears in it. So Dwayne Johnson's in it. And he does his persona and his persona. And it was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. I also watch Sicario with you guys. Please listen to the commentary. Um, Tiger King. I watched all eight episodes. I'm into documentaries, so I wanted to wait a bit because I didn't want to just dive into Tiger King when everyone else did. So I slowly kind of started watching it on Friday. And, man, it it just says a lot about the people that, that live in this <laughs> world, especially in the United States and just... Like 
when watching this, I thought, man, this can't be real. This is a mockumentary. Like someone is making this up just to look like a documentary. But no, it's it's a real thing. <laughs> they are real people. And these are the real things that happen in the United States. So um, I thought it was good. I thought the last two episodes were a little bit slow. First four were really gripping. I watched Zombieland Double Tap. Which I liked. It, it reminded me of the first Zombieland. Um, I thought their opening sequence in the um, at the White House was really well done. I just love their slow motion. And I know right. we were going to think about doing an episode on interesting opening titles. That was a really good example of an opening title sequence, which was um, great. But yeah, same old Zombieland. Um, yeah, it's it's not one that I I really will revisit. I'll be honest, but um, I did like when we watched it in theaters. Uh, we didn't have the greatest theater experience, Shay and I, when we watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also just kind of reflecting back on it, it's there's not really a lot there that I would get from it that I wouldn't get from just watching the first movie, which I think is a lot stronger of a movie. Yeah, but yeah, it's still uh, it's still it's if you're a fan of the first Zombieland, definitely check it out. Yeah, I'm a fan of Woody Harrelson, so that's what drawn me to it. I'm not a fan of Jesse Eisenberg or um, Emma Stone, but I love Woody Harrelson, so whatever he does, I'll tend to watch it. Go ahead, Shay. Yeah, I was saying it was it was entertaining, but at the end of the day, um, it's not a must watch. But I mean, if you loved the first one, why not watch this one? Yeah, yeah. Um, I also watch Upgrade which uh, Shay and Daniel were telling me about, especially Shay because he loves this film so much. Hmm. Um, what an interesting concept. Um, really, really cool. I, if you guys haven't seen it, um, it's about, I don't even know how to explain it. So it's about a, a mechanic whose wife is murdered and doesn't know why, and he's left paralyzed, and he's given this chip that makes him walk. <laughs> and this chip kind of has its own consciousness and kind of takes over his body. So a lot of the sequences involving, um, I, I forgot his name. What's his name? The the actor who plays. Oh, uh, Tom Hardy too. The discount. Yeah. Tom, discount Tom Hardy. Really yeah. reminds me of discount. Exactly. Tom Hardy. So discount Tom Hardy too. Um, just his, his movement, his body movement feels very similar to how a robot would move or how, like if I was being controlled by, a chip, how I would move, like my head would turn first and then my body and my arms. Um, but the camera sequences for a lot of these fights, holy macaroni. Like it was just like the camera was locked on the character and, and it created like this really cool cinematic approach to what the character was feeling or how he felt in his body. I thought the director did a really good job of creating that, that we'll say sense of, of direction um and then i watched a girl with the dragon tattoo yesterday like the uh swedish one no david fincher david fincher that's a that's yeah, a man. very light film very light film it is a light <laughs> film. Like at the at the end of it all like you know she, you know she has three other books so it's a light film but yeah that's great so let's move on to the topic of the show. Dun, dun, dun. Censorship. <laughs> so our topic of the show this week, in honor of, uh, you may have seen this in the news this week, so uh, the movie Splash, starring Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah, has been kind of going around social media this week, 
because uh, they basically blurred out her bum in a scene or her in her her butt when she's diving into the ocean her booty that booty of hers they blurred it out with and they did such a poor job at it that they just pretty much like it looks like they just stretched her hair down to cover her her booty um (laughs) so we're just kind of talking about that kind of led us down the path of censorship and i kind of myself just for research i'm like you know what let me look at disney plus right now and see what shows are or what movies have been censored. So I checked out the both a couple X-Men movies, which drop an F-bomb in them. And the F-bomb was still intact. When I went to go check out Adventures in Babysitting, they when as soon as you start it, it says, this film has been modified from its original version. And the scene where she's like, don't F with the babysitter has been changed to don't fool with the babysitter. So it's definitely something that they changed. And it's like a weird change that they decided to put into the movie. And I just wanted your guys' opinion on what do you guys think of censorship and what like where do you think where do you think the line is with that? Um I, I think when it comes to Disney Plus, it, it it's kind of it's really shitty. Like it, it's almost like getting ripped off a bit. Um, I, I get that Disney obviously wants to maintain an image, but if if you're releasing these movies and you're not changing all of them and you're changing select, like what's the thought process behind that? Um, on top of that, like why why not just make a kids only section of Disney Plus and stop making it the worst for all of us? You you really need to give us the opportunity there to watch the movies the way they were meant to be seen. In the same boat. Um, yeah. When I, when I saw it, I'm like, I got so mad. I'm like, why are we censoring this first? This movie that not a lot of people watch, um, especially kids now. And you're spending you're spending the money to create this effect on a butt, like like a human anatomy. It's <laughs> not in that sense even sexualized because she's running into the water. She's a right. mermaid. Like, like, what else do you? Was she gonna run with pants on? I guess it's like, when does it? Like, when do we draw the line and say, you know what, this is what the director wanted at that time. We just keep it that way. Yeah, and it just it just kind of goes to show for me, like, what do, what does that look like going forward in terms of, like, you want this movie on your service, but you're going to edit it. So it's just like, then why have it on your service then? I just wish that there was maybe a setting at least you could toggle in Disney Plus that's like, yeah, I'm an adult watching this. I approve. Give me the give me the language that swears. Just don't censor it for me. Give me that choice. Yeah, don't you know? be the don't don't be the guardian of my how I watch my things. And don't right. be the the dictator of how movies should be watched on this platform. Cause, you know, Disney you chose to buy 20th Century Fox. You know there are rated R content. We know that you're a family-oriented studio. Don't change how movies come out because your family... Like, I didn't. I don't want to watch Alien or I don't want to watch... Um, what's another 20th Century Fox movie that's really R-rated? Or just, just, just anything, really. Yeah. Like, like... I like just don't, don't want to be like watching it and then suddenly get the clean version, you know? 
I think I think it should be a choice. You know, I know mm. Shay, you were doing some uh, you were doing some kind of research on kind of like the MPAA, and I was wondering if you could kind of throw that drop some knowledge on us for us. Yeah, for sure. So the MPAA, I mean, obviously, is the Motion Picture Association of America, where um, they create these these ratings and the ratings. I think in almost all of the states of America except Tennessee are are just a, a guideline. So they're just basically there to help parents kind of get an understanding. So in America, they have obviously G, PG, PG-13, R, and NC-17. NC-17 films are no child 17 and under. Those movies you really don't see in theaters. They really won't be coming out. Um, rated R films, obviously, yes, we know all about them because they're so talked about. They're, they're almost like coveted rating that's like, okay, People really want to see rated R films, but they don't make enough money. But the sweet spot for ratings in America is always PG-13. And I remember the first film that got that was Red Dawn with Patrick Swayze back in the day. But I remember it was really Steven Spielberg that kind of pushed that, hey, we need a movie, to, we need a rating that kind of teeters in between those things. Uh, let's try PG-13. So, yeah, I mean, uh, what is Splash rated? PG, I believe? Uh, Splash, I'll tell you right now, Splash the movie, I think it's PG-13. PG-13? So, yeah, I mean, things like that um, are obviously apparent, but uh, in Canada, we have our own film board. I'm not even sure what it's called, actually, but I think it's also dependent per province, I believe. Um, And ours, what I realized is it's a lot more lenient in the sense that um, for movies that are rated R, a lot of those movies in Canada are just rated 14A. It's like you'll only really ever seen an 18A film in Canada if it's either nearing NC-17 or if it's really hardcore R. So that's um, right. Yeah, that's just some of the things that the the MPAA has done. They've they've made it a a guideline for these films to be released. And when you're looking at films that are coming on Disney Plus, everything has a rating on it. So why not take anything that is rated R or close to that PG-13 line and say, okay, you need to have an adult account for this. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like, yeah, it would be nice if there was a setting. Uh, Splash, when it came out in 1984, was given a PG rating. Obviously, that was before I think the PG-13 rating came into play. Um, so it's just it's just crazy to see that, like, there's so many yeah. movies from the 90s that have, or sorry, from the 80s that have a PG rating that, are just swe- that swear wildly and are literally were rated that because the only other rating that they would get after that is R, which that movie wouldn't serve that purpose. So yeah. I mean, it's look crazy at- to see... Look at look at Temple of Doom for example. I mean the heart ripping out scene. That's, oh, that's a PG awesome. film. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. But, scene. And even Europe, like you can tell, like when you're when you watch a movie from Europe, they their rating system is a little different. So I think it's also culturally based too. Like in Europe, you see a lot more nudity but less violence. So nudity wouldn't be considered rated R in their eyes because that's just how they they're based on like they, they're not sensitive to that, but they're more sensitive to more violence rather than in the States more violence doesn't really mean a rated R film, but nudity or anything sexualized, it would become uh, a rated R content. So it's also culturally how different countries or different continents deal with um, their rating system. 
I'm, yeah. I'm very curious to see what China is like in their well, country. China- well, China's very strict with the we when we did our China episode uh, last year. We did our China episode. I'll, I'll let you know what that number was in a second. Uh, but when we did our China episode, we were talking about the kind of restrictions that China puts on their films in terms of showing o- the country in a positive light only, and showing the government. You can't talk negatively negatively about the government. There's a lot of things that they control in that sense. Yeah. Um, and if you want to, if you want to go through our China episode, that was episode thirty-one, uh, came out of October of last year, where we kind of talk about China's influence over Hollywood, which, if you didn't realize already, is huge. Um, I was just wondering for you guys, like, yeah, we kind of spoke about the censorship in terms of, um, in terms of having like an adult setting. Um, I'm just curious why. With Disney Plus, again, I know it's Disney. They're a family-first company. Uh, you have like something like Netflix or even YouTube, where it's just like kind of like open. It's just like open season for anybody who's on it. Um, but it, you just you would just think that Disney, this is a service people are paying for, would give us the option at least to have the original movies. And why is it okay for X Men to swear, but it's not okay for Avengers and Babysitting to swear? So it's just it's just interesting that there's a there's kind of a line between that even though yeah there's technically two f words in adventures and babysitting but still like it's just uh it's just like a weird line that i, I also say, wonder this is okay but this isn't okay i also wonder if i mean adventures and babysitting obviously has been around for so long and there were already edits of it that were made for tv whereas right. the x-men films um especially you know days of future past and first class uh they didn't i guess have that run on tv as much and didn't need that much editing so when disney came down to uploading it on their service it's like okay we have the we have adventures in babysitting the edited version and then we have the original and then they were like bring us the edited version <laughs> bring yeah. us the tv version <laughs> like yeah. to me when you mentioned the adventures of babysitting like even the title like it's a very family children oriented film yeah, sure. So there, there are a lot of young younglings in there. The younglings, um, but yeah, I would I would suspect them to censor that movie rather than X Men, which are adults or teenagers who right. who'd most like mostly say that word if they had to, or be right. around that word if it was was said. So. Yeah. But it's just, it's just funny because the like, concept is between. It's just funny because like X Men has been like Days of Future Past and First Class and all those movies have been front page on Disney, and I guess because they only have that one F word, they could get away with it. But you look at like a movie like Adventures of Babysitting, and it's like no, because it says it two times, we got to change it, and and that's that's just that scene specifically. I didn't see if there was any other F bombs that I. There's not really any other ones I remember in the movie, other than that one on the subway scene, but. I yeah, wonder if they didn't. They don't even know about it, or they forgot. <laughs> Who knows, man? Like, now they're going to probably say, "You know what, Daniel? You're right. That f bomb in X Men is now going to be changed to. <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be bazoolies. gone now. Next time, <laughs> this Wolverine saying like, "Hey, I'm a uh, go Fazuli yourself." Like, oh, yeah. okay. I don't know what that means, Wolverine. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. Like censorship is. For a lot of these things, they're just they're natural things to to show. Like it doesn't make sense to just completely cut them out. And you're just gonna bring up this this um, animosity against 
you as a studio for censoring something that was so small in the first place. Yeah. And again, like it's just one of those things where it's like, if it was such an issue, it's like, we're okay with the rest of the movie, but not with that. But then like, I think there, there could have been like, when you watch the original scene in splash, it's not even that it's like, they make it seem like it's such a horrible thing to see like a butt crack. And it's like, it didn't feel sexualized. It's not. No, it's no. not. And it's just like one of those things that they literally looks like they just dragged the movie into After Effects and like just reach, like retouch the scene. So it just looks so awkward. It just looks bad. And that's what I think, that's what makes it worse for me. If it didn't look bad, I wouldn't care as much. But because it looks like such a shitty job, that's what makes it worse for me. Yeah. It's like, did you really care when you did it? And like, what the hell is all, all this about? Right. Was, was that like fairly new? Like, I just don't understand why. Someone said, you know what, we need to fix this. It's like, who was the CG guy who did this? Like, who was the team? It looks like, who, so bad. Who it looks it really happen? bad. It I'm looks really, really who bad. campaign for this? I'm looking at a picture of it right now, and I'm just shocked as to how it looks. Yeah. So oh, I, think for, I think for Disney Plus or even for all the content that will come out with Disney's name on it, I think it's really important for them to start like some sort of parental controls on their, their apps um, and give the, the freedom to choose if you want to watch you know, the clean version or the, the not even explicit version. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think there should be a setting within the settings of your accounts when you could turn on certain things that allow – uh, adult version of films and I know Disney has been sending out like surveys to people saying like do you want more adult centered content and I think they'd be smart to do it because again as we said last week if they ever want to chase Netflix they can't be making all of their content family friendly they have to appeal to the mass audience of people and it's almost a culture shock when you watch something on Netflix where it's like let's have this over the top sex scene I'm not saying for Disney to do that but I'm saying allow the space for creators to not one have their vision changed or two to have something that's that they want to create but maybe maybe pushing a line altered so just i just they need to find that balance and that's what ratings are for give the rating let parents decide if they want to have their kid watch this it comes at the end of the day it comes down to a choice and by changing splash they're removing hours now i know we did some research beforehand on some of the most ridiculous rated R or potential rated R films that we were, that were, that they were thinking of giving that rating or even like PG uh, uh, NC 17. I know one you mentioned was uh, Avengers. Yeah. Avengers, uh, Avengers. So the first Avengers in 2012 was originally given an R rating because the scene where Loki stabs Coulson, the blood and the, the the knife protruding from his i guess his chest was too realistic looking so you'll notice in the european version of the movie if you ever seen it you can look it up on youtube you don't see the blade come out of his chest chest. yeah in the um in the american version you could see the blade come out but like the blood is a bit darker so it doesn't look as like like it protrudes or it's not as bloody looking that a traditional r-rating movie would get Any other movies that were kind of like silly in terms of their ratings? Um, 
Yeah, it's it's weird because I think uh, there's a lot of movies that uh, that almost got that R rating, like we said with the vendors. It's always kind of like on a it's on the borderline depending on certain things that are given in the movies. And I know if it's PG thirteen, you're allowed one f bomb. Other than that, anything more, you're getting a, a R rating. Now there was a, a movie that came out in two thousand and I want to say seven or two thousand and eight about the MPAA and how they rate. Was it two thousand and eight or even the the movie what, what, the MPAA rate, uh, rating movie where the guy documented how? Oh, this this movie uh, has not been this movie has not yet been rated or something. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I know. Uh, I know Shay said he was. He saw it. So if I you saw guys want to learn. Yeah. Go ahead, Shay. So no, I was thinking. I saw it when I was. Um, well, when it came out, which is two thousand six, I believe. I saw it just the year after, and it was. It was a very interesting documentary because it 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 just seems silly sometimes. Um, the MPAA feels like this giant mafia for movie control, and it's so crazy how their opinions can really dictate how much a movie is going to make it it it's such a it's so severe like the smallest thing will make them go okay well this is rated r now and uh yeah now you're, now you're going to make less money there you go boom have a good day and it, and you got to wonder like when you when you go back to some of the directors that have talked about their um dealings with the MPAA they're like yeah i literally had to cut one frame one frame out to make this movie rated R or to make this movie rated PG-13. It's it's like, how does someone do that? Like, what is it? I, I think that at the end of the day, these ratings should be taken as a guideline for sure, but it is your responsibility to, to educate your children and educate people around you about, you know, what's happening in these movies. Not, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm very, on the fence with everything, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we keep saying it's a choice, it's a choice, and we know studios have a responsibility, and of course, Disney has a responsibility of being kind of like that fa- family-friendly um, image, but it's just it's just so strange when it comes down to like each case-by-case scenario, where it's like, well, it's okay for this, but it's not okay for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, again, I just hope that they realize that there's a market for people to watch this content, especially now that they have all of these Fox movies in their repertoire. It's like, you know, give us the option to watch them as they originally were. Like, don't give me a watered down TV version. Don't give me that TBS version of independence day. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, man, I watched the matrix on TBS for the first time. And, uh, I forgot what the exact cuss word was, but instead of like calling him that, he's like, listen, you bucket of slime. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) What did he he just say to him? Yeah, it's funny. We should, that'd be a funny, like super cut of all like the censored words, you know? Yeah, all the, all the edits. I think TV has become more lenient too, in terms of what you could show and what you could see. Yeah. The TV rating board is, is definitely a little different. I find and it's, it's, it's definitely a lot more lenient. I don't know. They get away with more things, but I think also with TV, there's, um, there's usually a bit of a barrier kind of stopping you from watching those harder rated shows or they only play at nighttime. Um, I mean, now with the world of streaming, a lot has changed, but with movies and theaters, it's just kind of like 
free reign sometimes. I remember I when I was a kid, I went to go see uh, Return of the King, and it was PG-13, and they didn't allow me to see it in theaters. And I was like, really, dude? Really? The guy was taking his job so seriously, he didn't let me go in to see Return of the King. So I bought it for <laughs> another another movie, and I watched Return of the King. <laughs> As you should have. So actually, so I actually found uh, from Newsweek, they actually found all the sense, all the edited and censored um, videos, uh, sorry, movies and TV shows on Disney Plus. I'm going to read it down quickly before we wrap up here. Uh, Splash, as we know, uh, Toy Story Two was changed. Obviously, we spoke about yes. the Stinky Pete to Barbie doll scene, Adventures mm-hmm. in Babysitting, which you mentioned, Free Solo. There's a scene where they changed effed up to messed up. Oh uh, the Adventures of Bullwhip Griffin. Um, there's some racial slurs that have been removed. Uh, there's a Santa's Workshop animated short film that's changed some racist dolls in it. Uh, Lilo and Stitch, the the dryer scene to a pizza box. Hannah Montana. Uh, there's <laughs> there's a character named Isis, <laughs> and they changed her name to Ice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there's an the word Isis is even Stevens, but that's still there. Gravity Falls, The Simpsons. Um, yeah, the think about the the Simpsons, like early Simpsons. Like a lot of the content on that on that show was kind of like borderline right. like mature adult. But what's interesting adult, though, yeah. uh so the Michael Jackson episode of The Simpsons obviously, that was that wasn't even a Disney thing. That was taken out by the creators yes, of The Simpsons. Right. Yeah. before the acquisition um but you could still see bart simpson's penis in the simpsons movie so that's yes. still there yeah uh the it's... rescuers and obviously the lion king had that infamous sex appear in the sky or sfx but, whatever yeah. but now sfx but now it's gone entirely yeah it's uh i mean when you look when you look at all the the ratings i think we were looking at them before that we started the episode um like funny descriptions that they'd kind of put for these movies and you look back at uh Team America, for example, Team America World Police, it was rated R for graphic, crude, and sexual humor, violent images, and strong language, all involving puppets. <laughs> like that's and – then, and then you look at another movie, which was uh, Three Ninjas Knuckle Up, and it was rated PG-13 for nonstop ninja action. <laughs> Dude, I'm you, looking at. Imagine <laughs> being yeah, like your parents are like, listen, there's too much ninja action in this movie. You can't watch it. I'm I'm laughing at. I'm looking now at some of the most creative TV edits of all time. So I'm looking at like the Breakfast Club, and there's this line where they say, "Did you slip her the hot beef injection?" Yeah. And yeah. The TV the TV edit of that line is, "Did you slip her the hot wild affection?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it just it's just so funny seeing here seeing some of the some the of dubbing? the lines change like yippee kaye motherfucker is yippee <laughs> yippee kaye mr falcon like okay who's All mr right. falcon who's mr falcon <laughs> you know captain falcon from uh f-zero yeah so it's yeah. just uh that's so funny <laughs> i always think back three, to the, man. like the funny dubs that they do in movies <laughs> like for example in uh, 21 Jump Street when it was the whole Whitney Houston line and they had to change it to Willie Nelson's whores. Yeah. yeah. It's just it's just so funny seeing some of the some of the lines they have to change. Cool. Now, um based on our topic of the show, I thought for our trivia question this week, why don't we kind of I'm going to center it around um 
a censorship trivia question. Okay. 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 So. Hands up. Question. Hands up. So I can see you guys. And you will have multiple choice. So don't worry. You'll have choices to select. Um, what was the first rated R film to win Best Picture Oscar under the MPAA rating system? So I'm going to say that again. What was the first rated R film to win the Best Picture Oscar under the MPAA rating system? And your choices are A, Midnight Cowboy, B, The French Connection, or C, The Godfather. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Midnight Cowboy. I'm going to say French Connection. Mr. Shea, you are right. Wicked. Because yeah. I think Midnight so, Cowboy was rated X, was it not? Correct. I've no, I did not know that. Yeah, so Midnight Cowboy was rated X at the time, and there wasn't an MPAA system yet kind of implemented. So yeah. it was the first X-rated film to win yeah. the Best Picture, but it wasn't the first rated R. That's why I kind of said it twice. Yeah. Now it is considered rated R, but it just didn't at that time fall under Exist, the radar. right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right, so very cool. So Mr. Shea. Shea's on the board Shea's with on the one board. point. Anthony on has board. one point, and I'm at zero still. So we got some catching up to do. There's always Again. next time. Yeah. Again, guys, oh. thank you for listening. You can catch a new episode of the Movie Podcast again every Monday across all your favorite podcast services, as well as on YouTube. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter and by searching this time with. And if you want to be part of the show and give us your comments, suggestions, and corrections, head over to thistimewith.com slash talk. And remember, we have two commentary tracks out on our uh, podcast platform, which is on Game Night and newly The Sicario. Do we have a movie for this week? Nothing to announce yet, but stay tuned. Stay tuned. But thank you guys for listening. That has been This Time with the Movie Podcast. And we will see you next. Thank <laughs> you.